today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And in the end, it is an Amalekite that utterly destroys Saul. Amalekites are a picture of the flesh. If you don't destroy the flesh, if you don't destroy your sin nature, ultimately your sin nature will destroy you. It'll come back around. And it'll take you out. You have to crucify the flesh. You can't crucify parts of your flesh. You have to put it all to death or your flesh will destroy you. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you of just how dangerous the sin in our lives can be. Oftentimes, we don't think of our sin as dangerous. We just think of it as an area we need to work on or something like that. But the Bible says that we need to flee from sin. Sin is what ultimately brought death and separation from God. When we live in unrepentant sin, the only thing our lives will lead to is destruction and eternal torment. But we can be redeemed and washed by Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 36 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. show you another example. Turn back to Genesis chapter 36, where we were. Genesis 36. And in verse 16, in this genealogy, this list of names, there's a name I want to draw your attention to. Uh, in verse 16, the third one, the third chief that's mentioned there, you have Chief Korah, Chief Gatam, and Chief Amalek. Chief Amalek, one of the chiefs of the Edomites that is mentioned in verse 16 is a man named Amalek. And from Amalek came the Amalekites. The Amalekites. The Amalekites are descendants of Esau. And again, the Amalekites are a picture or a type of the flesh. Turn with me over to Exodus chapter 17, the very next book, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. Now the context here, uh, the the children of Israel have just come out of Egypt. They've just crossed through the Red Sea just back in chapter 14. So at this point, they've been in the wilderness only a a couple months. So they're still getting accustomed to surviving in the desert and trusting God for daily food and, and water, right? And so verse 1 now says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. <laughs> so they, they, they set out on this journey. They're in the desert. You saw the picture of the desert. They're in this desert. There's, there's two to three million Israelites, and, you know, including women and children, plus they've got livestock, and they run out of water. Now, a person can survive only about three days without water, less in the desert, 
under the sun and the heat and dehydration sets in very quickly in the, de- in the desert. So the fact that they run out of water in the desert, this is a major crisis. And they've got a very short amount of time to get water. And they've got two to three million people. And they've got old people and babies and women and children and livestock. The whole thing. And they, they need to get enough water for a lot of people in a very, very short amount of time before people start dying. So now verse 2, Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock With thirst, we're going to die out here. And so Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, And you shall strike the rock. You guys know this story. And water will come out of it. And the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa or Meribah. Because of the contention. Which is what Meribah means. Contention. Of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord saying. Is the Lord among us or or not? So. What happens here? They, they come into a crisis. They're out of water. And they've, they've only got days before you know, people are going to start dying. And God does this amazing miracle where he causes water to come out of the rock. And God supernaturally provides water for the people. The people drink the water. They're recovering from their dehydration. Because you've, if you've ever been dehydrated, it's not like you drink a glass of water and you're good to go. Right? So they're recovering there, getting their strength back, when what happens? Look at verse 8. When now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Right after this incredible miracle of God, while the people are still uh, recovering, they get ambushed by Amalek and the Amalekites. They get attacked. They're physically weakened, and they get attacked. Again, Amalek is a descendant of Esau. Amalek is a picture of the flesh. It's a picture of your sin nature. And how many of you know that your flesh will ambush you sometimes? Right? Everything's going great, and then, man, your flesh comes out. And you're under attack. And often, it is right after this wonderful experience with the Lord, you're leaving church... Right? And you get an argument in the car before you even get out of the parking lot. There's the flesh. Or it's when you're physically weakened or physically compromised in some way. And man, the sin nature comes in and ambushes you. It's like the flesh. It's like the Amalekites. Look at verse 9. So they get ambushed and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow 
I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. There's a battle there. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under his under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword then the Lord said to Moses write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. There's a war with Amalek from generation to generation. And God here promises, note this, what he says, God promises he's going to blot out Amalek or the Amalekites for attacking and ambushing the Israelites. Now, when does he do that? First Samuel chapter 15. Turn over to first Samuel chapter 15. You guys are getting your exercise today. First Samuel 15. God has promised he's going to blot out Amalek and the Amalekites for attacking the Israelites in the wilderness. And now in first Samuel 15, at this point in 1 Samuel 15, Saul is king over Israel. By the way, if you remember, the people of Israel demanded a king, right? They told God, we want a king. And what did they say? We want a king like the nations around us. One of the nations around Israel is Edom. We want a king like Edom. So God gave them a king. He gave them Saul. And now in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel the prophet said to Saul, verse 1, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Obey the Lord's word. Thus says the Lord of hosts, look what he says, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. That's what we just read back in Exodus. Now go and attack Amalek, and, and underline this in your Bible, and utterly destroy all that he have, that they have, and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. He, he tells, God tells Saul, the king, to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites, because of what they did back in Exodus. Amalekites are a picture of the flesh. How do you deal with the flesh? How do you deal with your sin nature? You utterly destroy it. You utterly destroy it. You have to put it to death. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is how you have to deal with the sin nature. You have to destroy it. So verse 4, watch what Saul does. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talaim, 
200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek down in Edom. And he lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites who were dwelling among the Amalekites, go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. But look what it says. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So Saul and the people spared Agag, and they spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good in their eyes, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Saul did not fully obey the Lord. God commanded Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites and everything that they had. And what did Saul do? Well, he he destroyed the things of the Amalekites that he himself didn't want. And then he kept the things that he liked. Again, the Amalekites, they're a picture of the flesh, of the sin nature. And you can't do what Saul did with the flesh. You can't do this with your sin nature. You you can't crucify some parts of your sin nature that you don't like anyways. But then keep around the parts of your sin nature that you like and that you don't really want to give up. You, you, you can't you know, say, well, I'll, I'll forsake these things that God wants me to forsake, but I'm going to keep this sin around because I like this sin. I enjoy this sin and I don't want to give this sin up. And so I'll crucify some parts, but I'm going to keep some parts because I like these parts. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. And listen, listen, give me your attention. We're not going to go through it all. But later on in, in Saul's life, here's what happens to Saul. Saul goes into war against the Philistines. And he is wounded in battle, severely wounded in battle at Mount Gilboa. And he is laying there on the battlefield, wounded And who comes along? An Amalekite. And an Amalekite takes Saul's sword and puts Saul to death. Years before, God told Saul, utterly destroy the Amalekites. 
And he was only partially obedient, which is the same as disobedience. And in the end, it is an Amalekite that utterly destroys Saul. Amalekites are a picture of the flesh. If you don't destroy the flesh, if you don't destroy your sin nature, ultimately your sin nature will destroy you. It'll come back around. And it'll take you out. You have to crucify the flesh. You can't crucify parts of your flesh. You have to put it all to death. Or your flesh will destroy you. Now, just a couple other points about the Edomites. Um, Later in Israel's history, uh, when the temple is destroyed by the Babylonians, we've been talking about that in our Thursday night Bible study, Uh, When the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, Psalm 137, verse 7 tells us the Edomites celebrated Jerusalem's destruction. They cheered it on. Obadiah chapter 1 tells us the Edomites joined forces with Babylon in their attack of Jerusalem and were involved in the plundering of the city. Again, the flesh opposes the things of the spirit and will fight against the spirit. There, there is an enemy within all of us that opposes the things of God. And the hostility between Edom and Israel continued even into the New Testament. In the, in the New Testament times, the Edomites were known as the Edomians. The name was changed. And they were known as the Edomians. Herod the Great was an Edomian. He was from Edom. And it's Herod the Great who ruled at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's Herod the Great who ordered the death of all the males two years old and under in Bethlehem. In an attempt to kill the one born, the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ. So even into the New Testament, the Edomites are still opposing the Israelites. The The Edomite king, the Edomian king, Herod, tries to destroy Israel's king, Jesus Christ. Now, just one final point about Edom as we go through. Again, it's all through the Old Testament. It's into the New Testament with Herod the Great in the tribulation period. Now, here's where like the Lord just turns the story now. In the tribulation period that will come at the end of the age. Remember the tribulation is the seven year period at the end of the age. When God pours out his wrath on a Christ rejecting world and rebellious world. During the tribulation period the Bible tells us that the Jewish people will be persecuted by the Antichrist. And the Jewish people living in Israel they will flee to the land of Edom for refuge. Isn't that an interesting plot twist? At the end of the age, Israel will find refuge in Esau and among the Edomites. Micah 2.12, if you're taking notes, indicates that the remnant of Israel will be gathered in Basra, which is a city in Edom. Basra is mentioned in Genesis 36, verse 33. So they're going to they're gonna flee to Edom and take refuge in Edom during the tribulation period. If you remember in Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, 
Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. They're going to flee to the mountains of Edom, to Basra, for refuge. Now, when Jesus Christ comes back, right? You guys know Jesus is coming back, right? And he's going to come as King of kings and Lord of lords, establish his kingdom on the earth. Usually when we think of Jesus returning, we think of the verse where it says that he will stand on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives will split in two. Which is true. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives one day. But when he returns, the Bible indicates he first goes to Basra. Then he goes up to Jerusalem. Jesus will return to the land of Edom first to rescue the remnant of Jews that are seeking and hiding in the land of Edom. And we're told he's going to lead them back to the land of, of Israel. So the battle of Armageddon, which is actually a campaign, it's several battles. It actually begins at Basra in Edom. You're taking notes, Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1. It says, speaking of Jesus and his return, who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Jesus is coming out of Edom to Israel. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3 is another verse. It says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Uh, Selah, his glory, has covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. God came from Teman. Teman's in Edom. It's mentioned three times in Genesis chapter 36. God will come from Teman. He'll come from Edom into Israel. And so we see here why God spends so much time focused on Edom in chapter 36, because Edom is important in Israel's history, in Israel's past history, but also in Israel's future history. And when God comes back, when Jesus Christ comes back, he will return there first and then go to Israel to establish his kingdom here on the earth. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you for this chapter. And Lord, we thank you for the cross and the provision that you've made to deal with our flesh, and our sin nature, Lord. And I, I pray that we wouldn't um, that we wouldn't partially crucify the flesh, Lord. That we would truly put it all on the cross, Lord. Lord, I, I pray. I pray that we wouldn't mess around with our sin nature, Lord, that we would crucify it, put it to death. We thank you, Lord, that through your cross, you have broken the power of sin and that we're no longer slaves to sin, no longer has dominion over us, that we can be free. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan is continuing to teach through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. 
If you'd like to hear this message again or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer requests with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll make sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Genesis. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the